Good morning. In all of the great Mahayana sutras, they talk about that the Buddha or the teachers were speaking to their group and all around them were all these uh, Buddhas or Devas or beings. And that's literally true now because there are many more people out in the ether watching us here in the Zendo than there actually are in the Zendo. So we're actually surrounded by all kinds of beings. Um, and so what's being heard is not just this little group, but what's being heard is being heard through, through thousands, thousands of minds, thousands of voices. So that means you've, that's, a, that's a big challenge to talk about that something that's heard through thousands of minds. So the foundation of Dharma is everything is okay. That's the foundation. In some traditions, they start off saying that that we have original sin, we are originally broken, we're originally defective. But the foundation of Dharma is everything is part of one whole seamless awareness. Just like this room is one whole seamless room, the left side and the right side are connected and you can't remove the right side without affecting the left side. So the foundation of Dharma is one seamless whole. And part of awakening, part of our goal of practice is actually to see the seamless whole of things. It's all included. It's all included in our awareness right now, even though our awareness appears to be fragmented, even though our awareness appears to be um, composed of parts, it's all one seamless awareness. And everything is okay. And that's true whether we're in this Zendo, or whether that's true whether we're in California or Africa or Russia or wherever we happen to be. So part of practice is, can we bring our awareness down to what is fundamental, always present, reliable, steady, inclusive, free of defect? And out of that, we have confidence. Out of that, there's a a kind of humility, a confidence, a a stability that allows us then to do our best to interact with the world in our own particular unique flavor. This common denominator, this foundation, this, this emptiness, this spaciousness, this unborn Buddha mind, this true nature, has, of course, no duality in it. And yet, we can touch, recognize that foundation when the mind is still, when we are still, when we're looking at the inclusive darkness or space. And to begin to touch from our ordinary, deluded mind, to begin to touch that which is always present. And then to see all things simply are constantly arising, emerging, 
you know, coming out as burps and excrescences and coming out as, as phenomena, coming out as thoughts, coming out as... And it's all part of that same root. But from the root, we're not so confused by the phenomena. From the phenomena, we can't see the root and we get confused. So part of practice is coming into direct, vivid experience with our own fundamental nature before thought, before differentiation. So the nice thing about that aspect of Dharma is it's not we are broken, inadequate, incomplete beings who then have to work really, really, really hard to become unbroken, adequate, complete human beings. But rather, there is at its root wholeness. And our job is not to get rid of everything else, but to see the wholeness that is inclusive and to turn all of the phenomena that we think of as problems into wisdom to turn all the phenomena that we think of as obstacles and as challenges into wisdom because it all comes from the same root. It all is an expression of the same root. And so one of the nice practices that I've noticed people in our Sangha have been doing is how many different ways can we see a particular problem, things something we call a particular problem for, from. We have all this smoke and fire. How many different ways can we see smoke and fire? There's a famous uh, Zen phrase, my house burned down and now I can better see the moon. That's a pretty radical shift in view. And yet. So the foundation of Dharma is confidence. Not confidence in this particular inadequate uh, you know, karmic bundle, but confidence in the root, in the foundation. And I was talking one time with uh, Harada Roshi, one of my spiritual heroes, and he was, I was talking to him about doing Sashin, and in the middle of Sashin, he would often go and jump into the pond at night keep himself awake. And I was saying, well, that's, that's, that's an interesting thing to do. And he said, it was, it's, it was a, an act of total entrustment. I totally entrusted. There was a practice of total entrustment. And this is looking back on his action from many years earlier. Total entrustment. And that total entrustment is that we are totally trusting that this little ego is not in charge. This little ego is not the way the world works. But we can entrust that somehow the root, the foundation, the wholeness of things comes forth. So another way of saying all that is we are nothing but nature. We're nature in action. Nature breathing. Nature moving. Nature burning. Nature giving earthquakes and volcanoes. And to trust in that nature. And then when we have that foundation of trust, when we have that foundation of, uh, of nature, 
the inclusive nature of nature. Then we have our particular challenges that come out of that, our particular ways that we have to meet, our particular activities, the particular karmic bundle that we are. And instead of having to meet our particular karmic bundle from a place of brokenness and inadequacy, we can then meet our particular karmic bundle from a place of stability, of trust, of entrusting. Oh, I sure don't understand this right now, but I trust that by meeting it, by coming together with it, I will learn something. I will <clears throat> I'll be able to add something to the world. And so everything becomes not, let me get all these problems solved so everything is okay, but each thing that we encounter, each so-called problem, becomes a, an entrance gate, becomes a, a means of wisdom, a means of adding, that's the right word, our particular unique flavor to the world, to the universe. And obviously, the world, the universe, needs our particular unique flavor. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here in this particular bundle. It's not as though there's some thing in there, some puppet master that's in there that's saying, oh, I think I'm going to make you weigh 182 pounds, or whatever it is. But rather, it is the whole that then, out of that whole, we have this particular concatenation of collection of thoughts and flavors and beings, we are required, we are needed by the whole. And so the very things that we meet in that are exactly what the whole needs this particular karmic bundle to face, to give life to, to bring wisdom to, to transform. Everything is fundamentally okay. And some days you feel sick and upside down and not okay. But that too is just part of the okayness of all things. A small-minded idea of what okayness is, oh, I should feel bright and at ease and clear and effective and the world should go according to Hogan. That's a stupid way of thinking oh, things are okay. Entrusting is even things that are difficult not so difficult, things that are challenging, that are broken, that too, just the way it needs to be, that too. And I need to respond. There is a response that will come forward when I'm paying attention. So people I've been hearing, or Joseph and I were talking, and he was saying a lot of people are nervous, are anxious, are worried. And, you know, it's a bunch of stories by the media. The whole is not worried, anxious, or nervous. The whole is still the whole. The whole with a volcano is still the whole with a volcano. The whole with a particular administration is still the whole with a particular administration. The whole with a forest fire is still the whole with a forest fire. Everything has its place. Everything has its part in the whole. And... Our unique bit has got things to do. And we can't think everything is whole and complete lacking nothing, and therefore I'm just going to be a lump, because that isn't the way we're built. We, we, we are not lumpish. 
We wake up, we do things, we do things, we do things. Constantly we're in action, constantly we're in motion. So whether that motion comes from our fundamental trust and entrustment of the, the whole, the foundation, and then out of that trustment, entrustment, comes our particular activity in life, facing our particular challenges, bringing our particular wisdom into the world, or whether that comes from a place of scared fragmentation is a matter of practice. The practice of not believing our thoughts, the practice of the very nature of truth is flow, that we're never stuck, the practice of it does not matter whether we're up on the wave or down in the trough, we're in the crest or the trough, it's all, the energy is all moving toward the shore one way or the other. And so we can relax. Watch things unfold. And sometimes out of that relaxed place, there's a lot of effort. And sometimes out of that relaxed place, there's no effort at all. So the foundation of Dharma is this. Now, each of us has our particular karmic bundle. Karma, the law of cause and effect, causation. And causation is real. I mean, whenever I'm doing talks like that, I like to show things like my cell phone or things like this. It's a, a masterwork of causation. How in the world do we get this little piece of plastic to broadcast to the universe. It's understanding a certain level of causation. In the same way, this particular bundle of human being is a causal concatenation, is a causal coming together of infinite number of enlightened and unenlightened beings, billions of organisms, billions of threads of awareness. And this particular concatenation of life that is us lives in a particular concatenation of a world. And so the, the, the karmic bundle that we are and the karmic bundle we live in are both part of the whole and both reflect one another. Each of us lives in different worlds. So some people who are caught in their little karmic bundle of doubt and anxiety and fear, live in a world that's filled with doubt and anxiety and fear. They come together. And people who are living in a world of, of entrustment and stability and clarity live in a world that is filled with entrustment and stability and clarity. And both worlds may have forest fires. And both worlds may have different administrations. And both worlds have things to do. But from one vantage point, what we have to do is the movement, the activity of oneness versus the fragmented, fearful analysis.
So how do we know this directly? First off, we can't not know it directly. It's our very, the oneness of things is our very being. And in a way, whether we are attached or not attached, it's still just part of that oneness. But on a more personal practice level, something arises, a thought arises, an experience arises, an interpretation arises, and we glom onto it, and we think, this is real, this is true, this is the way it is. And then in glomming onto it, and thinking this is true, this is real, this is the way it is, we begin to butt up against it and fight it. So part of practice is reducing the fighting and responding to our world. And that does not, does not in any way negate the causal connections of having a wonderful technological society. We tend to live in story, in stories about things, in stories about it's this way, it's that way, I'm this way, I'm that way, instead of going to the root. And that's what practice is, going to the root, going to the root, going to the root. And from that root, all kinds of flowers, activity emerge. So, you know, I'm beginning to repeat myself. Just have trust in yourself. The next step is not amount. It's not about, I will take the next step. The next step will be taken. You can just watch, and the next thing will happen. You can just watch, and the next moment appears. You can just watch, and the next thing to do is right in front of you. So, have deep trust. I was talking to Harada Roshi again. We were doing a, a tea ceremony in Japan, and you know the, the Japanese tea ceremony was very uh, kind of elaborate, and it was a. And he turned to me and he said, "Just be confident." He said, "That's all you need. Just be confident. Whatever happens, just be confident." And he was a wonderful exemplar of that. You know. Sometimes we're confident we totally make complete mistakes, and sometimes we're confident and things flow naturally. But why not be confident? Why not be confident even if you don't know what's going on? Why not be confident? Why not be confident? Why not just engage? One of the things that happens, I think, with, as we begin to, to touch, to see, to understand, to entrust in the whole, then it becomes a matter of connection of relationship, the manifestation of seeing the whole as everybody is part of our life. And so as people begin to relax inside those barriers, those fearful walls that we put up and begin to actually touch the whole, everybody we encounter is part of our life. Everybody we encounter is part of, of <clears throat> the reason that we're here in this world. And so our relationships become larger and more connective and more inclusive.
Yeah, that's all I can think of to say at this moment. Anybody have any comments, any uh, insights, any words of wisdom, any complaints, objections? Anything like to add to all that? Kind of hard to do it from the from the ether, but Shokan's back there with the chat, and all of you are here, and I wish you all well. So, the Venerable Kosho has a comment which I will repeat, unless oh, Venerable Myoyu is racing <clears throat> to give her. you know, confidence in the ego. And I know that's not what you're talking about, but I just um, wondering if you could make that distinction a little bit. So, <clears throat> I'm not sure whether people heard, heard her, but always be confident. They did. They did. All right. Always be confident. That doesn't mean always be right. So I think that the, um, the narcissistic and the sociopathic view is I have to be right. It has to be the center of attention. But how do we be confident even if we're idiots? How do we be confident even if we're you know, feeling miserable that day and feel unable to, to uh, function? How do we have confidence in our, the basic isness of our life? It's different than being right. It's different than I know. You know, I don't think being confident and the I know mind are, <clears throat> are connected. If confidence is based on I know, it's a very limited confidence. If confidence is based on I don't know, that's got universal appeal. That is universal applicability because how much do we actually know? So if we're really confident just because I got this one handled, well, that's great, maybe so. But we'd be really confident, even if we don't have a clue what's going on and we're swimming in the ocean and we're down at the bottom of the ocean and everything is splashing around at the surface and we don't have a clue what's going on up there and we're still confident. It has to do with a, a kind of settled stability, faith, and trust. To be confident in the entrustment, the universe knows what's going on. I don't have a clue what's going on. The universe knows why we make cell phones and, and, uh, and have media on TV. The universe knows why storks make nests. I don't know, but I'm still confident. It's the best I got to offer. Anybody else? Venerable Ginsey? See, Kosha's walking with 100% confidence. Every single step, she's being supported. Look at that. Not a single waver. That's confidence. And you may not have a clue what's going on. It seems to me, for me, on the trip to being confident, that at some point I'm letting go of control, which all of a sudden I realized that's really important to me to be in control of the situation and to, um, <clears throat> and as I notice it slipping, there's maybe this point where I can say, okay, I'm just going to jump off this cliff and to trust in, but 
but it seems like a lot of times it's like I just want more control, and so I kind of lock up. And um, so that point seems like a very important point to me when I notice that happening, and how do I um, trust that actually letting go of control, things are probably going to turn out a little better than trying to lock it all down. Yeah, that's a very, very good, good point. So we have this fundamental confidence that I'm talking about. Then we have competence. And may you and everybody be really competent in our life. May we know what we know and may we deal with the problems that come towards us with competence. And part of that competence is holding spacious awareness. I really don't know what's going on, but I will figure it out. I will stay with it. I will investigate. One of the things that is always, to me, admirable about great scientists or great people who have a lot of intelligence is that they, they're very confident in what they know, and they know that surrounded by their knowing is this great mystery. And so they're always curious and always investigating. So we have fundamental confidence at the level I'm talking about. How in the world am I speaking? I have no idea. Just somehow, right here, right now, open my mouth and things come out. Fundamental confidence in that. Then we have a competence, which is really growing up. How do we learn to deal, manipulate with our world? And you're a very competent person. My goal is, my hope is that you don't become a less competent person. If after five years of practice you can't put a door in a wall, that would not be a good sign of practice. After five years of practice, you bend all your nails, that would not be a good sign of practice. So we have confidence, we have humility, we have competence, and I think all those, all those come together to really grow in, okay, I'm, I'm pretty confident in this area, and there's, there's space, there's room for other inputs and other views. And, So, may you grow in humility and competence. May you build buildings without any plans, without any mistakes, totally in accord with all the codes. (laughs) And may you have humility to know that that might be a little above our capacity. No, I think it's a terrible, a terrible thing. You know, Ken Wilber um, used to talk about the difference between, uh, I, can't, I can't remember his language, um, <clears throat> regression to a childlike state of wonder, of openness, of not knowing, and the inclusive awareness of a really mature adult. So, hmm? Remember? What's the? Pre- oh, pre-trans fallacy, yes. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on the pre-trans fallacy, or do you want me to? Uh, sounds like you're on the right track. So, so getting mixed up between, you know, infantile uh, oneness and the ability to actually have a really big mind of mystery that is still extremely competent 
is important. And I don't think it's a hot topic like it used to be, but it used to be that people would talk about spiritual practices becoming like a child, like a, like a, um, you know, becoming simple, not knowing, you know, flowing like the flowers in the field. Um, and, you know, that's, that's fine, but that's not a mature adult. That's not how we, we, have, we, we have to grow up. So I like his, his current model right now, which is waking up into the oneness, into the mystery, into the, the great competence, competent, confidence, into the to waking up into the oneness of all things and growing up into competency. And he also has cleaning up, so we're cleaning up all of the reactivity and all those old things that we have that we carry along with us and we have showing up, just keep showing up with whatever we have. Pre-trans fallacy, thank you. Anybody else? You can, yes. Now, I have total confidence in Lucia. So, would you answer that question? Actually, I'm asking you for a reason. Well, I'm asking you back for a, for a better reason. <laughs> got a 100% genuine certified Lucia right in front of us. And I'm curious of her wisdom. Give us a give us a little make an effort. Please make an effort to give us an answer. So we have a, a perfectly wonderful 100% <clears throat> Lucia. Just exactly the way she is. No bits falling off, just the way she is. And she's curious. She's alive. She's inquir- in- inquisitive. So from the confidence of being a totally 100% okay, certified, grade A, number one Lucia, be curious. Make an effort to investigate things. But you're already doing that anyhow, so I don't even need to tell you that. Right? And <clears throat> as, as long as you're 
engaged here, the, um, the number one practice is, is to be engaged. So part of Lucia's practice is to connect with everybody in the room, beyond the room. That's the effort that she's going to be making, is to bring total, complete, 100% certified grade-A Lucia into connection with everybody in the monastery. Right? Right? Um, I think we have time for one more question. Arthur, want to, and Lucy, if you wouldn't mind giving him the microphone. See, total confidence she's walking with. We have to become aware of. Go ahead. Right, yeah, become aware of this. That makes more sense. Um, so I guess what I'm wondering is when we're in the early stages of becoming aware of that, um, how, do we, how do we know whether the, the path that we're going down, the things that we're doing, our actions essentially, how do we know that those are coming from a place of, of that awareness rather than a place of delusion while at the same time having confidence. Um, I don't know if I'm expressing this clearly, but I feel a tension in myself at least in, in having the kind of confidence you're speaking about, but also being able to discern when I'm taking actions that are um, skillful or So the fundamental, the foundation of human life is ethical living, is the precepts. And so, in a way, this thing I'm talking about, about the foundation of dharma, confidence, and all that, is in a way secondary to living an ethical life. So we start off by taking the 16 precepts, by saying, I will do my best to live, in accordance. And then whether we're deluded or not deluded, we're still doing our best to live in accordance with, with uh, ethical, moral life. And sometimes, you know, what we think is wisdom is actually total idiocy. But if we're doing our best to live in accordance with the precepts, then the precepts, in a way, can smooth the road a little bit. So it may be that this foundation I'm talking about is just another story and not really worth attending to. And the most important thing is, let me pay attention to the precepts. My life have integrity. And if my life has integrity, then that whatever particular place I'm on, the path, my particular not knowing, I take that step. Now, the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. So sometimes in our mind, we're leaping ahead and we think we've finished graduate school and we're out you know, as, a, 
as a postdoc um, when actually we're, we haven't even entered college. So having a, an ethical foundation, having a practice that looks at the true foundation, and then being able to take the step to walk the step that we are walking and not to be walking some step. So you're in a discernment place. Discernment place, the the, one of the qualities of discernment is not knowing. If you knew, you wouldn't be discerning. So discern. Ethical living, practice of what's foundational, be in discernment. And then in the right time, if we're truly investigating, answers will reveal themselves. Okay. You had one. Gemma has a question. Gemma's question is, what is the purpose of monastic training in this time and society, this present time in society? Okay. The insightful Dr. Gemma. So around here, we're having that discussion uh, on a weekly basis. What, what is this life? How is this life skillful? What, what is skillful about this life? Is there anything skillful about this life? And I think that it's um, so easy. What I thought I was going to talk about this morning was media. I thought I was going to talk about the, the stories that the media is just swirling around all the time. You know, every, every election, they try to treat it like it's a, a football game. You know, he's ahead, he's ahead, he's ahead, he's behind, going to lose, fumbled the ball try to keep everybody really engaged. I mean, that's the function of media is excitement. You know, they try to engage us all with one crisis after another. And as soon as one crisis ends, the next crisis begins. There's a crisis of fire, and then we end the crisis of fire, and now it's a crisis of water and flooding. And we end the crisis of water and flooding, and suddenly it'll be drought. So I think it's very important to have places in the world where we are not living according to media that we are actually living according to the reality of this moment, that we have places in the world that have a clear set intention. So if you go to graduate school, certainly for the time that you're in graduate school, you are totally fixated on your particular subject. You really get to know it. You learn deeply about it. Well, in a way, we can say one part of the monastic practice is having that kind of deep fixation on the nature of mind, on the nature of, of reality. So having places that are really are set aside from just the, the swirling, swirling excitement of this and that, and look at what is fundamental to the whole thing. What is the ground of compassion? How do we cultivate compassion instead of trying to rectify the uh, ills of the world, I think is an important element. You know, there are other people working on other things. So, personally, I feel like it's a sacred opportunity, a sacred gift, a marvelous collection of karma that somehow we found ourselves in a place that is serene and beautiful, working together with people in harmony and focused on 
What is the deepest root of things? And how can we find the source of compassion and wisdom? And then from the place of compassion and wisdom, we each evolve his or her life in what seems appropriate. Some people stay here, some people go out with the university, some people grow in the university and become professors, <clears throat> and some people do one class and go zipping off into the world. <clears throat> so having that model both of a university where people can come to learn things, having a model of a, a holistic community that lives sustainably and cooperatively as human beings have the ability to do in, in, uh, with support and loving kindness, and having a place that has its anchor in let's really investigate what's underneath the temporary vicissitudes of life, what's underneath it all, I think is a, I'm very happy I'm here. And I'm happy you're all here. And I'll be happy when Gemma shows up someday. Chosen, would you like to say something to, you're telling me I'm, Okay. Joseph says, I've talked too much. Thank, thank, thank you all very much.